Welcome to BrainStuff, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, BrainStuff, Lauren Vogelbaum here. Let's talk about the complex definitions and pitfalls of cultural appropriation and cultural appreciation. In May of 2019, Nordstrom had to apologize for advertising a turban designed by Gucci that they were selling for $790, which closely resembled sacred turbans worn by people of the Sikh faith. Simranjit Singh, a senior fellow with the New York-based Sikh Coalition, told the Associated Press, We feel that companies are commodifying and capitalizing on something that is dear and sacred to people around the world. Nordstrom stopped carrying the product, though Gucci has not yet responded to the criticism. In February, Gucci got in trouble for featuring a black sweater that could be pulled over the chin and nose. The sweater had a cutout for the mouth framed by giant red lips that called to mind images of blackface for many people. Gucci ended up removing the offending garment. The health food restaurant Sweetgreen also recently came under fire for using the hip-hop lyrics of black artists to promote items on their menu in predominantly wealthier, whiter neighborhoods. The rise of social media has significantly contributed to public outcries against what some people see as the exploitation of cultures that historically have been marginalized. For instance, Brazilian model Alessandra Ambrosio was heavily criticized on Instagram for posting a picture of herself wearing a sacred Native American headpiece as a fashion item to the 2014 Coachella Music Festival. Others argue that the movement has gone too far in persecuting people who mean no harm. So where's the line? On the most basic level, cultural appropriation happens when a member of one culture uses the products, uh, hair, clothing, customs, etc., of another culture of which they are not a member. This in itself is not fundamentally wrong, says philosophy professor Eric Mathis, who teaches at Wesley College and has written about cultural appropriation. If it was, we'd all be in deep trouble given how interactions between cultures have been going on for millennia. So, When does it cross the line from something benign or even productive to something that causes harm? The reality is that there is simply no hard and fast rule. It depends on the context, and a few key factors make the determination. Power, intent, and outcome. For example, if you're a white American and a close friend of yours invites you to their traditional Indian wedding, it would likely be fine for you to don traditional Indian clothing for the occasion— your intent would be to honor your friend's wish and show respect for their traditions. Now, say before the festivities, you're running a last-minute errand and bump into a white American friend. They can't get over how great you look in your sari and snap a photo. They post it on Instagram without mentioning the wedding, tag you, and add a hashtag, Bollywood. You and or your friend might be in trouble for appropriating or perhaps mocking a culture, in this case a style of dress, that in the U.S. has historically been marginalized. And let's take it one step further. Say the sari you're wearing was designed by a big-name Western brand. Did the company seek consent from an Indian culture to use traditional designs in their clothing? This is where the logic of cultural appropriation gets messy. Of course, you can't ask a culture for consent. Cultures are fluid and often have ill-defined boundaries. If you're a celebrity with millions of followers around the world, the possibility of offending someone is compounded— as when Beyonce performed at an Indian wedding in 2018, wearing an Indian-inspired outfit, including a deeply V-necked and high-side-slit dress, plus quasi-traditional jewelry. As Mathis said, taking a picture of something that might be viewed as wrong in one context and broadcasting that to the entire world is inevitably going to result in disagreement. What's important in these cases of cultural exchange is due diligence, Mathis notes. If someone from a marginalized culture raises a concern, you should investigate to find out why. The best source for this information is always going to be people from that culture. 
other people, even with the best of intentions, might misrepresent the issues at hand. Mathis also advises against speaking out on behalf of other cultures, though I'd personally say that if you do your research and perhaps consult with a friend or a public representative from that culture, it can be helpful for someone of a dominant culture to check their friend's and family's behavior, though what constitutes good allyship is a whole other episode. Critics say that this whole movement against cultural appropriation is causing some people to be less open to cultural exchange. Jenny Avins, in an article for The Atlantic, said... No matter how much I love cable knit sweaters and Gruyere cheese, I don't want to live in a world where the only cultural inspiration I'm entitled to comes from my roots in Ireland, Switzerland, and Eastern Europe. There are legitimate reasons to step carefully when dressing ourselves with the clothing, arts, artifacts, or ideas of other cultures. But please, let's banish the idea that appropriating elements from one another's cultures is in itself problematic. Mathis agrees that in some cases, an overabundance of caution can also cause harm— For example, say you're traveling through New Mexico and stop at an arts and crafts show. Because of how much negative attention there's been lately about Coachella attendees wearing Native American headdresses, you wind up not buying anything from the Native American booths for fear of acting offensively. But arts and crafts are how many Native Americans support themselves and their families. In fact, in 1935, the U.S. government passed the Indian Arts and Crafts Act, which outlaws marketing products in a way that suggests they were created by Native Americans if they were not. The intent was to protect the livelihoods of Native craftspeople. Learning about the art you're buying and the traditions behind it can help you purchase and display the art respectfully. Critics have also accused the movement against cultural appropriation for being overly sensitive. Here, Mathis pushes back. He said, When you think about the changes in contemporary culture that allow for the possibility of making clear and public statements about ways in which you've been marginalized or oppressed, that's a good thing. In a context in which people feel free to talk about those experiences, if it leads to people sometimes going overboard, that's a cost we can deal with. Today's episode was written by Danielle Duiz and produced by Tyler Klang. BrainStuff is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more on this and lots of other sticky but important topics, visit our home planet, howstuffworks.com. And for more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hold up. 